Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Forgive the interruption, but I believe this requires your attention. Meanwhile, at the above-ground underwater suborbital volcano lair... Sergeant, we need a response team. We're already putting together the best man. With all due respect, sir, so am I. I have a plan. (laughs) It's real! Mighty Marvel Geeks. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. Team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're we're a time bomb. Well then, son, you've got a condition. Your show about all things Marvel with Mike, Kylan, and Eric. What a bunch of losers. I am Groot. That I did know. These people may be isolated, unbalanced even, but I believe with the right push, they can be exactly what you need. Shoot up. I'm bringing the party to you. I have indeed been uploaded, sir. We're online and ready. And welcome to another issue of Mighty Marvel Geeks. It's Eric, Kylan, myself, Mike, and joining us, uh, great guest. Eric and I met him at Star Wars Celebration. Um, I will say he is the creator of my addiction. If you've heard us talk about action figure variant covers, this man is the creator behind those and why it's, I can't stop. On the line with us is John Tyler Christopher. How are you doing tonight, John? I am well, and yourself? Good. My books came in this week. Booyah! Yes. I gotta say real quick, I love your guys' intro, and I'm half tempted to do the entire show by talking like this! <laughs> well, it's easy. Just channel your inner Ted Knight, don't you know? <laughs> awesome. Well, love ju- it. just because you said that. I'm going to go with, oh, where did it go? Meanwhile, back at the above-ground, underwater, suborbital volcano lair. <laughs> or, or in your case, John. Meanwhile, in a small corner of the city, and the home of real bad pain. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> So oh, I think this is a first, the first time we've had a guest podcasting through the pain. And, dude, we, we appreciate you doing it. We really do. Oh, dude, it's my pleasure. Like I said, I'm super excited to be here. I, I appreciate the uh, you guys uh, letting me come on here and, and shoot the breeze, man. I'm, I'm excited to talk some issues with y'all. Well, I know I've been struggling for a year or two now to get you on the show, and I, and I know when we talked at Megacon 2015, I think it was, <laughs> The, the craziness with the, with the action figure variants hadn't really even started. It was just pretty much, I want to say just Star Wars at the time. And I yeah. think you were just starting to delve into the Secret War stuff. You know what, man? I'm wondering if that was the show because it, it might have been. Um, because yeah, that was right when we'd started the Star Wars ones. I remember very vividly that the, uh, I got an email from my editor right before my plane took off, which is, I can remember that because I never fly. I'm afraid of flying. So the, like, I have pretty intense memories of every time I've ever been on a plane. And, uh, I got an email from my editor literally saying, hey man, we want to do a Deadpool secret Secret Wars action figure cover. Would you be down? And I'm like, holy crap, yes. Outside of the Star Wars action figure variant covers, the all, I have the Gwynpool. Yeah. I have uh, Captain America Steve Rogers number one. I think the ones I'm missing are the Squirrel Girl, um, one of my favorite comic characters, and I want him back. 
Howard the Duck. Nice, right. And um, Secret Empire number one with Cap in the Hydra outfit. Oh, thanks, man. Um, yeah, actually, funny story about all, all like, especially like the the Cap one, right? Like that that was actually supposed to be a joke. Um, like um, because I remember I was I was sitting down to work the morning that the uh, the story broke about the Hail Hydra, and everyone was losing their mind. And so, if you remember, the initial solicitation for it was just like his costume but green. Like I just basically did a hue saturation shift on it and the reason for that was when i submitted that to marvel it was like that morning i literally just threw it together sent it over to marvel as a joke and i might the response was yeah that's like my guy at marvel i sent it to thought it was funny but he was like i can't share this with anyone right now this is not me <laughs> and, uh, oh man yeah and so like several months went by and i get an email out of the blue or it might have been like text message but it was just like do you have that captain america uh hydra thing email it to me right now and uh i did and i guess it ended up in some type of presentation and then it just like a couple months from there it was hey man let's make this into a cover and go from there with the other ones I want to say it was in April they talked about that it would be the cover or it, it was it was going to possibly be a cover for uh, Secret Empire mm-hmm. and yeah I, and, I, and I want to say I thought originally it was an April Fool story <laughs> It, yeah, well, until yeah. I said no, it's actually coming out, and I'm like, okay. Yeah, well, it was it was a fun like evolution, right? Because like again, since it started as a joke, but then when it be, kind of became this like real thing, it was like you, I almost wanted to kind of delve into you know what what would Cap Hydra costumes look like, and then it started to evolve into like we're doing other characters Hydrified, and how much do you change? How much do you not? Like I actually mocked up a version of Cap that I went like to, instead of having like little feathers coming out of his like the side of his head, um, little like wings that he used to have. I actually right. put little temples coming out of his head. Um, I put like a red visor over his eyes. Like, cause you know, to me, Hydra's all about conformity. So even right. I, I felt like if we're going to do this joke, I, I, I just want to play it true to Hydra and try and like conform him to the Hydra. In fact, I even had like, uh, if you notice on the cover that he has these little yellow things up on his shoulders. And that was because initially there was actually a, basically a big H of yellow designed into his uniform, similar to the Hydra foot soldiers. It's just again, like an homage to like everyone conforms to Hydra. So let's back up just a little bit. Um, you say you know this uh, the the Cap Hydra evolved out of a joke. Where did the whole concept of action figure variant covers evolve from? Uh, they they all started with Star Wars. Um, like basically when when Marvel got the license back to Star Wars, um, mm-hmm. I was going through a degree of of stupidity in my life where I was doing like I mean I was working like this is not hyperbole. I was working between 80 to 100 plus hours a week. Wow. And it was really hurting and I was only able to get like one and a half, maybe two covers max to get that done. And um, it, it was it was killing me. And so my, my wife and my mom actually had like kind of this intervention and they're like, you can't take on any more work. Like, you've got to say no. The next thing Marvel hits you up with, you can't accept. Um, you need to be a dad and a husband again. And lo and behold, um, my editor at Marvel, George Balliard, uh, who's the guy that handles a lot of like the variant covers and stuff like that. Um, just an amazing guy. He and I have become like really good, really very good friends. And uh, he kind of just, he called me and he's like, look, man, I've got a project that just to me is, has you all over it. And we've just gotten the star Wars license back and we want you to do the action figures. So it was something he actually approached me about, but they approached me like before I even knew we were going to be doing star Wars comic books. Um, the joke being that I just had that talk two days before with my wife and my mom promising I wasn't going to take anything new on. 
And I actually accepted it and I worked on them from like my wife went to bed at like 11. So I would start them at 1130 at night and work till about six. So I did the first four of them without my wife even knowing I was working on because wow. she would have probably. Killed. Um, and from there, yeah, man, it just kind of like snowballed, right? Like the Star Wars ones that, uh, that people seem to dig on them. So they hit me up on that Deadpool Secret Secret Wars, which was like, oh, cool. Let's do a Secret Wars one. We did the Secret Wars series. Um, those proved pretty successful. And from there, like we both kind of met with this like hey i kind of have this idea and they're like yeah we have an idea too say it together let's do some real more like new marvel action figures um which was perfect for me man because like you know you mentioned howard the duck right and squirrel yeah. girl and as a variant cover artist you are very limited in what you get to draw right like it's always going to be iron man captain america um sometimes thor sometimes hall sometimes avengers but like that's pretty much it like i went one year where i think 80 percent of all the covers i did were Iron Man. So one of the reasons why I feel so blessed to work on these is I get to do Howard the Duck. Man, I never in a million years would have thought I would do Howard the Duck or like Black Knight, you know, as a variant cover artist. The opportunity to explore those characters is like the coolest thing ever. So I really kind of doubled down on it in saying like, yes, please, I want to do this. I mean, to the point where Marvel initially with Star Wars had only planned on doing like, I think the first, was it the first 10 that were in like the initial wave? Uh, Yeah, I think the original card from 77 had 12 on it, 12 or 14. Maybe it was 12 minutes. Yeah. The plan was just to stop after that. And I, you know, I was like, I would, I, they were doing it more as a like mercy kill for me to be like, Hey, you can get back into doing other stuff if you want to end this now. And I'm like, actually, dude, I'm living my dream doing this, man. Let's keep it rolling. So that's why we have 4 million of them now. <laughs> well, I tell you, you really tapped into my childhood because when these, uh, when the original Kenner uh, action figures came out, I, that was, that was right about the time that I was, you know, really getting into like toys and okay I shouldn't really say that but it came around when I was about like let's see what uh, I was like eight nine years old and so of course you were you had geek cred back then before geek cred was a thing if you had like uh, if you had the Obi-Wan or the Darth Vader that still had the plastic cape wow. yeah oh yeah yeah the vinyl and, if, yeah, and if the tip of the lightsaber hadn't broke off <laughs> You know, because because the lightsaber, you know, it wasn't something that you just fit in the hand. It was kind of like, you know, a car antenna. Yeah. You know, it just it was at a slot that went up the arm with a little tab that you used as a, a to, you know, to slide it out. And it had the the two different thicknesses. Right. It wasn't just a, a, a straight line. It was kind of like it, it looked for all the world like an antenna. It, it had a, you know, a thick part and then it got really narrow. Yep. Yeah. Well, f- first of all, dude, like, thank you so much, because uh, as an artist, right. I think every project you work on, you you there's a level of success depending on not only the quality of the illustration, but to me, more importantly, like if you want to do a joke cover, do people find it funny? If you draw a hot character, do they look hot? Is it scary? Is it scary? Like so on and so forth. And I think that especially with the Star Wars ones, I mean, that is my childhood as well. And like I, I the best compliment I can receive on those is when someone's like, dude, that really like reminds me of my childhood or that really brings me back to being a kid because that's what those are, right? I mean, they're such an integral part to a I think a lot 
lot of people of our generation's childhood. And uh, that that really means a lot. And that's why I think things like putting that little stupid antenna thing, right? Like there was a lot of concern when we were starting them of like, well, should we put that on there? Are people going to, we literally didn't know if people were going to be upset because they're like, well, lightsabers don't have that little like antenna thing on it. Or why does Vader have a stupid collar around his cape and it's shiny? You know, like we were going into such uncharted waters with with what people were going to accept. And I think we really just leaning on this idea that our five-year-old selves are the end-all editor of these projects, you know, like that's what matters. And I'm so glad you, you, you brought up the the five-year-old self because that was one of the comments you made at the Marvel panel at celebration that made me go, okay, now I understand the whole concept behind the way these look. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no. And man, by the way, that panel was like one of the most surreal things. I hated having to duck out on that early. Like, I don't think I've ever stood in front of so many people in my life and I uh that, that was like totally nerve-wracking man <laughs> it was totally awesome though i'm just gonna tell you well i was I, I had fun i was able to plug jackson and do my best to either a get an ahsoka tano comic book out of it or uh bring jackson back into the fold we'll see which which one happens first something well, says ahsoka i <laughs> it must have been i want to see valence myself but that's just me <laughs> Well, you know what? I mean, one of the coolest things that I, I think a lot of people walked away from Celebration with was this idea, and, and this was to that point on, on the panel, that, like, I think everyone had this this, this concept with Star Wars, right? That it's got to be, like, it's got to be Han, Luke, and Leia, and that's really all people care about. But at the end of the day, I think, especially at Celebrations, it opened a lot of people's eyes to, like, Star Wars fans like Star Wars at the end of the day, yeah. right? Like, if, if given a good story, they, they'll like the prequel stuff. They like Mace Windu and Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan. They want a good story out of it, just like they want a good story out of anything, but also the expansion. I mean, look at the success right now. Uh, I, I had the, the honor of sitting next to Timothy Zahn recently at a show. And I mean, look what's happening with Thrawn, you know? Yes. Uh, yeah. And the success that Dr. Aphra has had. I mean, they're just doing such an amazing job of growing these characters and making the universe bigger and making Star Wars is not just the core movies. It's, it's, they're expanding it not only in the films, but in the books and in the comics and in the, you know, I don't know whatever. Are they going to start a Netflix series? Like they're just, they're, they're building it, but they're making everything important and feel tied together. Now, speaking of Wait. Dr. Afro, real quick, have you been contacted by Hasbro to do the um, card art for the Dr. <laughs> Afro vintage figure? I have not been con- I actually do a lot. I don't know if you guys know, but I do the Marvel Legends box art for Hasbro. Um, so I actually do a lot of work for Hasbro. Okay. Um, that was kind of a gig that lined up after starting to do the action figures. They're like, Hasbro contacted me. And they're like, hey, do you want to do the real toys? And I'm like, <laughs> well, sure. Why not? Um, but no, so the, the guy that I deal with, um, after the announcement was made, he, he emailed me. He's like, I just want to make sure you did do this cover, right? And I'm like, I did. And he's like, kudos, man. So uh, that was pretty, that was pretty weird, you know, to, it's, it's like, it's an imitation of an imitation of an imitation. It's like the multiplicity. I'm waiting for like Michael Keaton to come, come back. <laughs> <laughs> now I will say one of my favorite covers from the Star Wars, number one with the umpteen hundred variants it had outside of the action figure variant was the party cover. Oh, thanks, man. Yes, yes. That was so much fun. I mean, like, so when, when they hit me up, they're like, we want you to do the party cover. Um, and uh, this was, like, around the same time with the action figure stuff. We just gotten it back and cool, we're going to do this. 
and we're like, we just want to do something fun. And so, I mean, I ran the gambit of all these different crazy ideas and then, and I honestly forget how it came up, but it was just like, dude, I think we can do Jackson on this. I think that's, that could fly. And the opportunity to be the first person to draw him professionally in like 20 some odd years was super rad. And, uh, you know, funny side story. And I don't know, I don't know where this got shot down at, but initially the cover was going to be, I was like, if we're putting in Jackson, I wanted to put Jar Jar out there with him and and Jackson coming in. Right. And like, they're the ones knocking, trying to get into the party that no one's, no one's wanting to invite them, which, I thought it would be kind of funny, and I was, I was, that was another one of those I was told, like, yeah, let's not do that. Let's just go with Jackson. I, th- I think it's one of those, like, we can be self deprecating, but, you know, let's not be disrespectful, especially on the first cover. Yeah. <laughs> to me, that is probably the ultimate Star Wars cover that's not an action figure variant. And that's simply because it is so much an Easter egg. I mean, if you know who Jackson was or is, then you about like me, you're laughing almost until tears roll down your cheeks just because it's like yes i can't believe they did that but serious cool points to whoever did it's that it's just that we recognize it again that kind of takes us back to the old days where it was going through he was in the comics and and now he's i guess because he's on the cover of the uh, of the of the uh, of the variant he's canon again yeah well like that's it's so crazy to think of star wars being like because it's become such an institution like those comics like it's the wild West back then, man, you know, like back then you had a new hope to go off of and, Mm -hmm. but there really was no larger mythology to, to work with. There was, there was no such thing as canon at that point. Yeah. Right. Um, Very, very similar to the Kenner toys. Right. I mean, we think of it now, you know, one of the charms to me of Jackson of the, the Kenner figures, it's, it's the absurdity of them. I was going to say the stupidity, but I don't, I meant that. I mean, it as like a compliment. Like it's, it's the vinyl capes, man. It's the giant green bunny rabbit. It's, it's so absurd. Absurd. You know, it's it's things like um, the fact that like uh, Blue Snaggletooth, right? Like that's this like fascinating story of they made him, but because all they had, all Kenner had to go off of were black and white headshots of these aliens. They didn't know he was supposed to be short. They didn't know he was supposed to wear burgundy. That's why Greedo's wearing like a neon yellow ribbed costume and Walrus Man's in a blue onesie. Um, yeah. <laughs> But, but to me, like, that's the charm. Like, that's what makes it cool. And I, I really, I appreciate those things. And that's why I think Jackson's such a rad character. And I get why he might not have been brought back yet, but I would be shocked if he doesn't become, like, truly efficient, officially canon, just because there is that soft spot in everyone's heart for, for that character that read it back in the day that are now appreciating it now in, like, this whole new context. Yeah, but it's like you just touched on it. Because it was back before, quote, unquote, canon, before you know, it, Star Wars had become this institution, you could get away with throwing a big green bunny rabbit in space out there because it was in space. And therefore, you know, Star Wars is in space. Everything's cool. You could have a tractor <laughs> on a, a land speeder tractor with with a big John Deere logo on it. And because it's out in space, it's OK. Well, yeah. totally. Like, do, do you guys remember? Um, I was reminded of this. I, I went and did a uh, store signing up at Wonderworld Comics uh, a while back ago. And um, Dennis, the owner, he's got this massive toy collection. Like, they're basically a toy store, vintage toy store, even almost as much as they are a comic book store. And he, I'd forgotten that they had those, like, little, small, like, one-character um, 
vehicles back then. Like one of them almost looked like an Adat head. Yes. With a little, like gun for a nose kind of a deal. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I remember that. Whoa. Actually, actually, two of those are in the uh, Star Wars Force Arena game. Nice. And those and supposedly stuff from the from that game is canon. So those awesome. those are now back as part of canon. And like, oh, that's so cool. And like, but again, like that's that's the beauty of all this, right? It's like I'm convinced, and I've said this before, that like the Force Awakens was made 20 years ago as J.J. Abrams was sitting on his parents, you know, kitchen t- floor. Um, mm-hmm. All of those little things that might have been absurd or l- l- let's be frank, you know, a lot of it probably back in the day was like, it's a toy license for some stupid movie about star battling or something. We don't know. We're going to try and make a quick buck. Let's crap it out and move on from here. Oh, it's a little successful. Let's do, we need to find ways to make money that isn't selling an ad at. So let's make these little one vehicle um, mm-hmm. ships. It was just something they were throwing together back then. But because of what Star Wars has become, those things are huge now. Now. And I think it's cool. Yeah. Those are canon. And Jackson, yeah, he was supposed to be this silly green bunny rabbit. But like, there is legitimately a contingent of people that Jackson is probably their favorite Star Wars character and are just dying for him to show up in something else. Yes, very much so. Yeah. Now, um, and, and go ahead. Well, I was going to say to go along with the, with the ships, the original troop transport was created just to be a toy filler until the next movie came out because they didn't know what was coming and and it was never never appeared in the movies and it was one of the hottest toys in like 77 70 or in 1978 that's awesome are you talking about the one that has like the basically the little boxes where they stand down in you know three on each side yeah that that has now yeah. been now been used for Star Wars Rebels yeah oh, that's so cool I, re- I remember that yeah I mean Rebels there's another one that's like how amazing is that show become and and what they're doing with it. I mean, bringing... What's great to me about Star Wars also is this fact that, like, we're sitting here and we're talking about it from a perspective of people that have grown up with Star Wars. My children, I have two young daughters, and I tried my damnedest to get them into Star Wars. And they just weren't really that into it. Like, they just couldn't get into it. I showed them the prequels, and they're like, this is all right. I can watch this. They liked Jar Jar Binks. I introduced them to the, uh, within the Force Awakens came out, and they loved it. And now they watched Rebels, and they're obsessed with Rebels. And it's like, in Clone Wars and Ahsoka Tano and like they're doing such a good job of not just paying an homage to what we love but also building the next generation of Star Wars fans like I don't see it going anywhere man it's been so good my my daughter is the same way she loves the movies um she appreciates the original trilogy more than the prequels uh which is says a lot for a seven-year-old um (laughs) But yes. Rebels, she absolutely loves. Uh, she is upset that this next season is going to be the last. She got. I super... was just going to ask you if she, if you had actually told her that or not. Yes, okay. but she's super excited for this uh, Forces of Destiny that's coming. <sighs> yeah, that is uh, kudos to Hasbro on that one, man. That is an absolute knockout, just yeah. all around. Um, I mean, it is like I, I remember when we saw the Force Awakens, man. Like my my daughters, the fir- one of the first things they did when we walked out of there my children both looked at me and they're like can we have some lightsabers daddy and it was like the most proud moment i've ever had as a father and uh we went directly to toys r us and bought some lightsabers and they were fighting about who was going to be who and you know i want to be ray no i want to be ray and now seeing what they're doing with the forces of destiny they're 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 growing that audience to the modern world man where it's not just you know i, I think we 
Star Wars should be for everyone. And I think they're doing a wonderful job of giving everyone an opportunity to appreciate it in their own way, but yet not being disrespectful to the overall Star Wars as a whole, um, which is just, I mean, the absolute perfect way to do it. Now, I, I want to ask, with all the different action figure variant covers, what has been your favorite or which one has, I, I guess it's two part, which one's been your favorite to do to date that's been released? Because I know you got some that haven't been released yet. <laughs> and which one has been the most complicated? Um, well, my favorites, like besides like on a personal level, I mean, dude, I, the first, the first series when I was just going through it, it was like, Oh my God, I'm drawing Luke Skywalker. Oh my God, I'm drawing Darth Vader. Oh my God, I'm drawing Han Solo. Like that was really surreal. Like artistically, honestly, I think the two Anakin Skywalkers that I just recently released, I think might be my, like when I look at them, I'm like, wow, that is exactly what I wanted to convey out of those pieces. Um, you know, when, when we were talking about like the jokes uh, of the character, one of the big things I try to do is portray the figure itself of having the little silliness and absurdity and like certain imperfections. Whereas the side illustration is meant to be as, you know, absolutely accurate as possible. So I think with those, like, I really was happy with how Anakin looked as a Sith. I was really happy with how Anakin looked when he was like, you know, he looked really yeah. angry and focused. So I thought that was really cool. Frustrating wise, um, man, like, uh, what, 2-1-B? Um, I hated okay. that toy as a character. Because um, that damn arm wouldn't fit in on his side, so I couldn't put him in certain slots in my C-3PO head. Um, so that was very cathartic to work on him and get that frustration out. Uh, <laughs> Lobot was fun because he's just such a, an awkward-looking character. He's, his legs are really short on the toy. I didn't notice that until like I started researching. Because every time I do one of these, I actually pull the, the toy out. Um, my mom kept for me uh, in our attic and I've got them all out. So I like, I literally look at the toy and I set them next to other ones to see what the little idiosyncrasies are. And that was one that I thought was a lot of fun, but again, frustrating as well, because he, he was so weird. I think one of my favorite details is the way you did the label on um, R5D4 and the R2D2s. Oh, thanks, man. That was, those were fun. I remember, uh, so the R2-D2 one, and I'm not sure if I told you guys this down in Celebration, um, the assistant editor for Marvel on the Star Wars line, Heather Antos, um, who is just like one of the coolest people I've met. She's so great. Uh, I really had a blast, like finally meeting her face to face down at Celebration, but she's, she's much younger than myself and, uh, and the other people that are working on the project. So when I turned in R2-D2 for the first time, she was super polite, but she's like, I am so sorry. And I don't know how to say this, but that R2-D2 figure looks nothing like R2-D2 at all. <laughs> and thank God Jordan White chimed in and was like, yeah, I know that's actually the point though. That R2-D2 toy was, I don't know what they were smoking when they designed it, but that's what it looked like. And uh, so that was a lot of fun, but just, just all those little things, like where does that balance come right of the label it's a sticker but you don't want it to be a sticker because again it's not your five-year-old self doesn't see it as a sticker they see it as the design on the character so like you have to it's been it's been fun to try and figure that out like where that happy medium is i'm, I'm gonna have to find my cover with r2 with the sensor scope and take a picture yeah. of it with this i don't know if you can see this John. awesome heck yeah man and, and i was surprised my my sister-in-law found this at a garage sale and loose, and the only issue with it is there's a slight crease in the sticker on the back. Other than that, it's it's almost, uh, and there's a little rub on the sticker on the front. But other than that, it's it's in great condition, which I'm surprised that it's in this great of a condition. That's so, awesome, man. Well, you never know what you're going to find, man. Those things are literally like little chunks of gold, golden, yeah. cheap plastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And I, I just got to confess, the other day, uh, we have a, a where I work, we have like a little classifieds list. Mm-hmm. And somebody came out with Star Wars action figures from like it, the original run. Wow. So there is like the Luke, the Vader, the 3PO, the R2. And I'm just kind of like, I got to get these. <laughs> There was no hesitation. And the whole time I'm talking about, I'm thinking, this is going to sound cheesy and it's going to sound totally lame, but I promise you, honest to God, it is the truth. I was thinking about all those variant covers when I was, I had them laid out on my desk. (laughs) Grown man, almost 50 years old, and I've got Star Wars toys laid out on my desk at work and thinking of, I think I've seen this as a comic, as a a variant cover. I think I've seen this one. I have not seen that one. And it's just kind of like, geek life. Life is so good right now. It's never been a better time to be a nerd, dude. Without a doubt. No, that again, like that's that's the fun of these as as, as we've continued to expand them. But it's like one of the things that I've I've been very adamant about is this whole idea that like the side figures, right? Like trying to make as accurate of a representation of that character as possible. Because especially like it's one thing for Han, Luke, and Leia, like that's no big deal. But the Death Star Commander, like I try and find someone in the movie that I can that I will base that character on that was, you know, all, even if it's like a very far background, I will pause it and get the reference I can because that guy's out there, right? Like, God willing, he's still out there. And it's like, I would love for that guy, if someone to go up to him and be like, would you, can, would you sign this action figure variant? And the guy would be like, holy crap, I didn't even know, like, someone saw me as that character or what, because he's in the movie for like less than four seconds. Um, I, but that's, I, that's important to me. I can say that character is in the bounty hunter scene in Empire Strikes Back in the background. Okay, there you go, man. Like, I, I just, I love that stuff. Like, I love, Star Wars has, has always been there for me. Star Wars is something that, like, not only do I enjoy, but I also have a deep respect for it um, and for what it's meant to me as being a farm boy and growing up. Uh, so anything I can ever do to, like, show respect and love back, man, I'm all over. <laughs> Now, you also did action figure variant covers for uh, Haunted Mansion, Figment, um, and Tiki Room, correct? Yeah, that was uh, those were fun, man. I'm, I, I got to tell you, uh, if you think Star Wars fans are rabid, the only people that might give them a run for their money are Figment fans. Figment fans are pretty hardcore, man. I've, I've met several Figment cosplayers and stuff, and they're they're beyond just nice, but they're like they're into it. So that that's my yeah. home park. That's where I work. Is that Epcot? <laughs> oh, right on, man. Well, it was so weird. So I went down to Disney a couple weeks ago, or like a month or so ago, and uh, <laughs> I actually had someone like this. This was one of the most one of those like surreal moments of my life. I was walking through one of the stores, and I actually got hit up for an autograph on a figment book at Disney. So I was like, "Thank you so much. I can write this whole trip off now." Tax deduction, cha-ching. But uh, <laughs> that's a, yeah, that's a pretty hefty one too. <laughs> you better. Believe Believe it, buddy. Free stitch tall dolls for everybody. <laughs> okay, so let's let's talk about that. Going outside of the Star Wars, which variant uh, would you say has been the the most surprising one? The ones that I guess the one that you least expected ever to do, and then all of a sudden you just find yourself sitting in front of your computer, going, "So you know, hey, I'm actually doing an action figure of this guy or girl." Oh man, like so the, the Marvel ones. It's been if I'm the uncle of the Star Wars ones, like I feel like the daddy of the Marvel ones, um, and those have been so much fun. I mean, dude, I gotta do I gotta do Devil Dinosaur. Like anytime I, I I've been pushing to see if we could ever do an Uncle Ben action figure, just because. Like, <laughs> 
<laughs> I would so love to see an Uncle Ben action figure. Oh man, like but, I, I love that kind of stuff, right? Like we talked about the Howard the Duck and just all those characters that I never in a million years was like, oh, I'll be able to draw this guy one day. I, I, you know, I did, I did a Hyperion action figure. Like, I, I'm so he's gonna have to. He's gonna have to be younger now, though, right? Because they've made Aunt May young and well, younger and kind of hot. So you know, <laughs> sexy Uncle Ben. I'm all over it. <laughs> I, I'm surprised they didn't have you do a Leah Thompson action figure for Howard the Duck. Oh, I would have loved to have done that, dude. And she could have been rocking out. Especially now, since she has declared herself Queen of Marvel. Which oh, I missed this one. Uh, interview earlier this yeah. week. They 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 talked her and she came out and they talked about Howard the Duck and she she declared herself queen of queen of Marvel. Hey, you know what? She's, I'll give it to uh, her. I'll give it to her. Yeah. She's Marty McFly's mom, dude. Let her let her have it. Yep. Have <laughs> at it. But then that would also mean Crispin Glover is the king of Marvel and I'm okay with that as well because then we get roundhouse kicks to the head for Oh, you still did, did you see that was it uh night late night with David Letterman when he did that? Yeah. Oh my god. I didn't think I was like is this real? Actually, yeah. could, couldn't we say Tim Robbins would be the king of Marvel? With, we could. With, with his role in uh, in Howard the Duck? Yes. Mm. And I'm still waiting. My, my big hope with, with Marvel Legacy is it's revealed that the uh, the Dark Overlords are actually the main antagonists from it and uh, from <laughs> Howard the Duck. And they come in and, and Howard and, and Leah get to rock out and they stop them with the power of, of music and love. <laughs> Didn't they do that in like Lilo and Stitch Part 3? <laughs> I, I never saw that one, unfortunately. Okay. Yeah, but you know, when you say Howard and, and Leah Thompson rock out, I kind of envision it something like... You can't see it, but I literally did an 80s dance there, swinging my hands side to side. And I can't uh, believe that I didn't see that coming. I I, I was just waiting because he, he kept talking about Howard. I'm like, it's going to come. I just It's just a matter of when. Hey, I, I, am, I am still willing to claim that we are the first podcast at a Star Wars celebration to play the Howard the Duck clip twice in one one-hour panel. Okay, I'm sorry, but hold on one second. This just dawned on me. Could Howard the Duck be the bridge between the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the Star Wars Cinematic Universe? That somehow that's where that ties all together is that Howard and George, that's the bridge that connects everything. Just saying. It, it could I'm be. willing to go with it. I, could be. I, I'm I, I want to argue. I would, I would love I to, to see. Go ahead. Sorry. I would Sorry. love to have seen in the prequels Howard the Duck in the background walking past. I think that's the only thing that was missing from the prequels. Oh my gosh, it becomes that crazy uh, St. Elmo's fire, St. Elmo's place. Like, yeah. at the end, <laughs> it's all one giant universe. It's like yep. a big bonnet sweater that someone keeps knitting and knitting and knitting. I mean, we, we got the ETs. We got the DeLorean, because yes. the DeLorean's yeah. in um, episode two. Right. We easily could have had Howard doing a, a walk-by in the background. Yeah. You know, I would have loved to seen Howard in Dex's diner there in episode two. Oh, just sitting the back there spot. in one of the booths. Yeah, having his little, like, duck legs swinging at the, uh, swaying about on, on one of the schools. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Oh, man. And then he could have, like, could have tried to serve him poultry, and he could have had a giant, could have broken out some quack-foo, and we could have had an Obi-Wan <laughs> Howard the Duck fight. And then Howard's revealed as the final Sith, the real apprentice. It's this story writes itself, gentlemen. There's always hope for oh. episode nine. Darth Howard. <laughs> we, we we have uncovered we have uncovered the identity of Snoke. I was gonna say if I just spoiled <laughs> I, I apologize. <laughs> 
<laughs> spoiled the uh, the Last Jedi. Oh, Howard the Duck with Sith powers. Hey, you got those people that believe Jar Jar had him, man. Is it really that far-fetched? You know what? The you thing know. is, there's proof. There's proof that Jar Jar had... We saw what happened to the Senate. Uh, okay. I, I'm, on, I'm on to go with it. I'm dude, gonna, dude, I'm Jar Jar theory is not that far-fetched once you think about it. Yeah. Hey, I, I'm down, man. I'm open <laughs> to anything. Yeah, I, I just want to go back to, to Figment real quick. <laughs> oh, Figment, yeah, I'm sorry. That's where we were at. No, Figment 2... <laughs> There were how many – did all five issues have action figure variant covers? Yes. They all did. Too. Now I got to see if I have them all. <laughs> yeah, I want to say because – yeah, because each one of them was like a main, a big guy. They were both like I think double characters in them. Yeah. Two-pack kind of the thing, um, which again, those were like crazy. Man, dude, Jim Zub, did you, did you read the Figment books? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Dude, Jim Zub uh, just straight killed those stories, man. I mean they are just so good. Like – the perfect I, balance of like four kids but four adults. Yeah, I will say. Yeah, I love the steampunk motif that he had in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I would love to see Journey into Imagination redone into that, or a a new a new Image pavilion done based around the comics. Yeah, well, I don't know if that's like something they would do, could do. Uh, I I gotta tell you, man, when I went to Journey into Imagination, it was not what I remembered as a kid. I don't. When did they change that? Because it used to um, be. Uh, they did a, they, 12 years they ago closed it down right before uh the the millennium celebration okay and, okay yeah yeah and that's that's when the the old version the original version went away and they re they redid it uh just so they could have uh, that attraction open during the y2k celebration and it was very much it was horrible uh, yes horrid i would not use that word lightly but yes the only redeeming feature and i do mean the only redeeming feature of that incarnation was the fact they had Monty Python's Eric Idle as your narrator. Yes, well, that's the one they have right now, at least the one we would. Well, well, this, uh, well they, that one is 2.0 or 3.0, yeah. This is okay. 3.0 because after the Millennium Celebration died down and you know the, the crowds were kind of getting back to normal, they said, okay, we're taking this online, we're refigmenting it because yeah. the, the 2.0 didn't have figment in it at all. Except for a disembodied voice after the the unloading area. Oh, okay. You you heard Figment's voice, but that was it. All right. Well, and then they, the yeah. Be thankful you didn't see that one because <laughs> you just thought, dear God in heaven, just give me some C four. We'll take care of this. We'll erase this. We will never speak of it again. But uh, <laughs> this one, this one to me, it's it, it's not as good as the first one, but it's, it's definitely better than the second. It's it's closer. It, mm-hmm. It's, okay. it's definitely closer. Uh, and I will send you to a link to when I actually interviewed Jim Zub and we talked about the Figment comics. Oh, right on, man. And it's uh, right around the time of the first Figment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those were uh, those were so – those were really cool to work on. And it's one of those like in retrospect, like I'm really – really honored to have been able to be a part of that you know like there's there's projects you work on when you're done you're like we did something really good there and I, yeah. I, I feel that about those like all around like it was just I don't think there was a weak link in that entire process, process.
project. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, I, I loved what you did too with with Honda Mansion with, with the right. hiking ghosts. Yeah, that was uh, that one was cool. Like that was one when my kids we went to, we went on the Honda Mansion. Like it, it was one of those crazy like we get out of it and the girls are like, "Hey, Daddy, we now have an interest in something you've done. Like, can we look at those?" <laughs> I was like, "Thank you." Oh my gosh, because right, like, like I think it's weird. Like with kids, you know, like whatever your parent the parents are into, the kids inevitably are against. Right. So I was so jazzed about being like, I can talk about Star Wars and Marvel and Disney and all this cool stuff to my kids. And they're just like, yeah, we're good. And I'm like, crap. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay. But it's, it's slowly happening, man. Um, I, I would not let my children see Logan, but when they found out that there's a girl Wolverine in the movie, they're like, really? And I'm like, well, I've done that action figure cover. Like, I've talked to you guys about her, and then I literally sat down and we, we bought some all-new Wolverine comics and sat down and read them together, which was really fun, and that led into Gwenpool and some other things that, like, slowly but surely, like, I think they're they're accepting that comics might actually be good and not just that thing that daddy does for a living. <laughs> My kids are really young. I should point that out. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, I, I have to say, I just kind of, I will say, well, we're still in Marvel World, but your covers with Daredevil. Yeah. I I, I mean, they're, they're uh, which one is this? Uh, the one that the Daredevil cover you did with, he had uh, his black his black uh, costume and then you gave him two faces yeah you had him one with the glasses and one without and yes i had the hardest time of looking at that and not I, there's this part of me wants to open it i know i can't <laughs> but i'm like why hasn't this been made or why does my comic shop carry it but and and, and the secret wars cover it took me back to 84 <laughs> And I was just, those were phenomenal. Thanks. No, like, so one of the funny things, and we still get this, we had this problem with Boba Fett actually a lot when we, when we sold him on my website. Um, We had like six people that we got negative marks on uh, PayPal for because they thought they bought an action figure. And when all they got was a silly comic book in the mail, they were (laughs) the good news is they retracted all of them when we sent them to eBay and showed them how much their little uh their comic book was going for that they bought and they're like oh, okay we're good with this now we we'll, we'll keep this um but we still we still get this that uh, that dennis guy i mentioned earlier he literally sent me a text two weeks ago of uh somebody complaining that he bought one of the um hydra action figures and they thought it was an action figure and not a comic book so i i will say yeah. i i had a heart attack for a while when i thought oh shoot i didn't get the han solo variant cover and, and that was one of those Shops had to buy a specific title to get it. Mm. And then I'm like, great. And then I'm looking online on eBay and a couple other places and I'm seeing $7,500. I'm like, I'm in trouble because, I mean, it was still early in the process with the covers. I'm like, I'm going to be, I'm going to have them incomplete. And then I get to my shop and right there on my pull list is the action figure variant. I'm like, I am so (laughs) saved. (laughs) <laughs> good, 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 good. No, that's uh, that's that's actually been one of, like the the big fears, right? It was like with the the black and white Luke um, being so obscenely rare and just ridiculous yeah. in price. Um, for it, for for all the complaining that it, or frustration I have that I wish it was a more accessible cover. Um, I just thank God every day that it wasn't. Could you imagine if that was Vader and there was only oh. Darth Vader's in the world? Like it, w- it would have literally killed this entire Star Wars yeah. thing before it really got 
started. And um, I know I've said this a million times, but these things have changed my life. So I am eternally grateful that that wasn't the case. I, I know this is going to sound wrong, but yeah. I was never, I mean, I, I loved the look of the black and whites. It, it was something I just wasn't interested in collecting. I, I, I wanted the full color. So, oh. so my, I guess my action figure variants are going to be not complete because I don't have the black and whites, but I'm okay with that. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's the thing, right? Like that's actually what makes me cool with it being the black and white loot because it's it's not part of really the set. It's it's an extra side set. And the continuation, like, so I'm not sure if you guys are aware of this, but so we, we did the black and white loot and that was this whole um, ex- exclusive for Diamond Breakfast. I did Boba Fett and after I did the Boba Fett one, you know, I was like, that day I was calling Marvel and I'm like, yeah, I'm ready to buy like the rest of these characters. Let's do the rest of, I want to do the rest of Bounty Hunters or what, whatever. Um, and basically I was told that I was not going to be allowed to do any more full color Star Wars exclusives for my store. And that's why Black and White Boba Fett was next. And then after that was the Black and White Poe was because I was told that like I would not be allowed to do any more full color ones as exclusives. Um, so that's what almost kind of started this whole like side, that side thing of the Black and Whites besides Luke. And then as it started to develop and it was like, okay, yeah, you can do the, the Han Bespin. Um, since then, I know some some people have actually done like the general tag. I want to say they did a black and white tag as well. Um, and I've had people ask me like, you know, dude, you should totally do black and whites. Every time I do an exclusive, I should do a black and white version. But like, I don't want to do that because the whole point of the exclusives that I do to me is we found this like super sweet spot. We sell every time we do them, the number of people that are buying them is increasing, but the number of people that are buying a ton of them is decreasing. So we're basically selling the same quantity of books, but to more people. And I think that's really cool. And I don't want to exploit that or attempt to force I don't want to force a a supply and demand issue just because I can. I'd rather every time I do one, do something new, do something cool that is part of like the real line and not try to create a a separate thing in and of itself. Well, I I will say, as we talked about at the beginning of the show, uh, when I said my books came in, I am one of those that has sucker on the forehead. (laughs) When you you make that announcement, action figure exclusive on the site, I'm like, how do I? get um eric will tell you when when we were uh when we've talked about these i almost go into shakes thinking about the action figure variant covers that's why i said you're the creator to my addiction um i I, i've been loving these and i outside of the black and whites i i believe now i have every one of your exclusives that you you've had on your site dude thank you so much like i was talking to you guys earlier about the whole like working 80 100 hours a week um you know one of the one of the things all i ever wanted to do when i grew up was be a star a comic book artist like that's it i I didn't i never wanted to play in the super bowl never wanted to be an actor never wanted to do that kind of stuff and uh growing up on a farm you know i was basically told from with from everyone in my town except my parents and one art teacher that like you're never going to do it um like it just wasn't a possibility and i went and i wasted three and a half years at college getting uh, you know uh studying theoretical math and philosophy and that just didn't work out and i went off to study art in seattle and i became a graphic designer and i was finally making good money but it wasn't really what i wanted to do and not only have these books but especially those exclusives have allowed me to kind of dig myself out of the hole that 10 years of trying to be a comic book artist and struggling and starving and blah 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 um you know it was it's it's afforded me and 
my family a, a, a place that uh, I'm eternally grateful for anyone that supports those because it really does. It's changed my life, man. So thank you. You're absolutely welcome. And, well, you're and, welcome. And to me, it's <laughs> I, I have said many times, when does this stop? So my wallet takes says, good, there's a breather till the next thing. Um, but, <laughs> but there's also that side of me that says, keep going. How much more can you do? Especially when you've taken Afra and you've taken and what you did at the tail end uh, from issues 20 to 25 in the Vader line. Yeah. Yeah. And, and taking characters right out of the book and, and turn them into action figure variants. Well, it's like, so one of the weirdest things about this and that I'm, I'm really wanting to do going back to like rebels and, uh, and the, the clone wars books. And one of the, I think the other reasons why I'm pushing on an Afro so hard or uh, Ahsoka is I'm in this really unique place of being one of the only people that has been able to articulate every different medium of Star Wars. If you want to know what Luke Skywalker looks like in comparison to Dr. Afra, in comparison to, uh, you know, again, wanting to do what, if I could do a Grand Animal Thrawn, like it's, it's, it's a Rosetta Stone kind of a thing is kind of how I look at it. Like the movies, we don't know if Dr. Afra will ever, will ever make it into a movie or BT or triple um, zero or what have you. Um, but the ability to draw all of these characters in one complete thing is, is really cool in one, in one line, you know, you've got the, the movies and the toys and all that other stuff. So, it's been really rad, man. Yeah, it's so you you, you said you wanted to get into um, drawing comics. Who are some of your inspirations uh, there in the beginning? Uh, I mean, I, I'm like I'm a '90s kid, so Jim Lee was my everything um, as far as comic books are concerned. Uh, you know, he I, I redrew X Men number one four million times. Um, again, being a '90s kid. Uh, I really fell in love with Ian Churchill's run on cable. I just really dug the way he, he illustrated him. Um, but then that also got me into like, man, uh, I'm going to butcher his name, Adam Polinia, Polinia. He did X-Force for a while. Um, those were super cool. And then after discovering those is when I kind of started branching out. Right. And then you start discovering like you know, all the, the masters, like, you know, Art Adams, Holy crap. Um, you know, John Byrne, uh, anyone, everyone, like I, I had this, uh, epiphany. Um, like I used to be one of those guys and this is why, like it drives me nuts. I, I worked on, I've worked on, on some movies as well. And I'll, I'll never forget. I was, I was sitting on a, I was on a movie set one time. Um, and I was talking to some of the camera guys and I was trying to act cool and talk to them about how Michael Bay sucks and he's terrible and blah, 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 just because that's what you're supposed to say to make yourself sound like you know anything about movies. Um, well, it's and, Michael Bay, so you, you, you weren't wrong. Well, that's what I thought, man, until these camera guys proceeded to read me the riot act about how Michael Bay invented like all these cool camera techniques and moves and different ways of filming and they admire him and they're like yeah if you're watching a movie like for certain things he might not be a strong suit but there's other things that he's amazing at and i i had that epiphany then when it came to things like when people come up to me and they want to rag on certain comic book artists um i'm always like the guy that will try and defend them like i don't i find it difficult i i've done 15 interior pages my entire career and i've come to a respect Anyone that can draw an interior comic book on a, even if they miss deadlines, but consistently do interior work, my hat gets tipped to them. And yeah, somebody's anatomy might be off or some things might be wonky, but dude, it is unbelievable how challenging drawing in a, in a comic mm -hmm. book is. So. 
it's really enabled me to go back and look at, at people that even once I might have scoffed at and come to appreciate. And I, th- I think that's how that's how art should be, right? Like you should not only should art artists mature, but I think viewers of art mature. I, I remember when I was a kid, man, and again, Jim Lee is is God, and I was like, Jack Kirby's terrible. And now I look at Jack Kirby and I'm like, how in the hell did I ever think this guy was not the king? You know, because um, I was a stupid kid. But you're you develop your taste, you learn to appreciate things, you know, as you get older. And and that's why everything is cyclical, you know, like it's easy now for a lot of people to look back at the nineties and be like, ah, nineties comics suck. And I'm like, no, they were cool and they're still cool. And in 10 years, we're going to think early 2000 comics suck, but it's just Mm -hmm. because that's the nature of the beast. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm right there with you. Uh, I tried doing interior art for a while and it just is Kelly. I draw too slow. That was the thing. So people who could draw something fast, like, um, uh, I once sat in a booth with Rich Buckler uh, mm-hmm. during a convention, and people would come up to him and say, "Hey, could I get a could I get a sketch of Spawn fighting Wolverine?" And he'd go, "Okay, sure." And he'd just sit down, not try to sketch anything out in preliminary. He's just there with his pencil and his pen, and he's just like. And doom, there it is. And I'm just kind of like, my jealousy knows no bounds right now. <laughs> right. Well, it's like that's one of the cool things about comics is like it's 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 inherent into the nature of the art, right? Like it's it's one thing to be good, but it's a whole other thing to be that good that fast. Like if you give yes. somebody a year, yeah, you're probably going to be able to do an Alex Ross piece. It's the fact that Alex Ross can do that in do multiple covers in a month that is outstanding. Like not just the level of quality, but like the fact that that level of quality plus deadlines boggles the mind, man. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Or- well, I was at a, I was at a con, um, and I was talking to Jim Steranko, and you know he has a very distinctive style, and he said that he used to, especially like his his covers, and he used to be he was told, you know, well, you know, it looks too much like a movie poster. It's not a comic book cover. You need to do it more like this. And so he's like, okay, so he started doing more like this, but then. Then, like all of a sudden bond movies are starting starting to get popular and that sort of thing and then all of a sudden his his people his bosses are like okay you remember that, that cover i told you that two months ago that you need to read uh we, we want you to start doing more of that now and, and, and then all of a sudden that's what he's known for and and i just think that's it's interesting hearing your story too that you know it, like you said it's cyclical you know at one time we were saying 70s comics for crap and you know now i love that stuff and you know 90s comics or I, I like 90s comics but you know there's some people probably looking at them like oh there's there's too many uh too many utility belts and too many uh whatever and you know but, it's all over the place yeah yeah and, and you know but i liked it then you know i really don't have a problem with it now you know give me more long shot i'm fine with it <laughs> Heck yeah man well i think that's one of the really cool like if you look at comic book art right now um i used to uh share an office with george gianti the guy that used he did gambit for I was the Buffy the Vampire Slayer artist for the longest time. Um, and he was telling me these horror stories because he broke into comics in the 90s and was having just a nightmare of a time getting work because everyone was like, this is cool, but can you draw more like the image guys? And uh, I think it was a very prevalent concept back then. And I look at art now and dude, it does not matter. Like part of the charm of comics today is seeing different people taking on different characters because every style is accepted. Every, you know, like I love looking at, uh, I'm a huge 
huge uh, Ed McGinnis fan. And seeing what Ed is doing on from Spider-Man to, you know, he was running on, on Nova and then his Hulk work, like there's so many different things that Ed brings to the table. And then when the next artist comes in, you get to see their take on it with a completely different style. Instead of everyone trying to be homogenized, you've got this like, let's see what the big, like the hyper-realistic guy will do with this character. And it's it's giving those takes. It's like you're seeing this, these evolutions on these characters that's just really fascinating. Yeah. Well, you know, and it's one of those things that, you know, it's, you know, some people are very, you know, I know I'm very tied to certain characters. And I, I, I used to be, I used to be the person that I, I like the way this person drew this character and then I find out that you know a new artist is coming on the book and I'm like you know all of a sudden you know it's like you know I like my steak and potatoes you know don't 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 give me I don't want vegetables because if you do there's no longer steak and potatoes and then I'm done right. but but now it's like you know there's so many there's different artists that draw Luke Cage one way or Iron Fist one way or even Daredevil and you know the thing is it's I I'm I've grown to really appreciate all of that because it, it brings a different it, it's well comics are a visual medium they are but at the same time it's part of the story and I, I've learned to kind of try and marry the two mm-hmm a little more than than I than I was a few years younger. It's weird saying that, but that's okay. <laughs> so, but um, <laughs> thanks for making me think about that, Eric. But it's you know, it's just um, it, it's cool to see that we live in a time now where we don't need to have everybody draw like this one artist or like this particular company. You know that you know it, it is more inclusive, and you know there's room at the table for everyone. I like that. Yeah, well, I think that's been one of the interesting things of, you know, you're seeing this this rise in not just artistically diversity, but also in the creators. And I think that's really mm-hmm. rad that you're starting to see these different voices approach different characters. And like, like look, I, I would not, I, I'd be lying to you if I wasn't going to say that part of me does miss those epic runs from back in my childhood where it's like you have the same creative team on a book for like four years or something insane. So you get to hear this grand opus like you know you're kind of seeing that right now with Aaron and the guys over on Thor um, mm-hmm. he's weaving this ma- this me- mega story um, which is really cool so it's like it's six and a half a dozen the other like I said I think it's uh, I-, I miss that but I also do I love seeing like alright let's hear let's see what this person because they're not trying to write the same story we've got people from all these different backgrounds that have different vantage points let's see what their take is on these characters because it does create those like you get those unique perspectives perspectives on stuff right well speaking of unique perspectives it's come to that time in the show and we would love to get your perspective on our picks of the week um and each one of us we pick three books for the upcoming new comic book day which uh will be wednesday the 28th if i'm remembering Uh, 29th 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 excuse me you're right 28 28th i'm sorry um eric why don't you start us off Okay, my first pick of the week, and if I had thought about this ahead of time, I'd have pulled them up already, but that's okay because I got them right here. Uh, my first pick of the week is Doctor Strange and the Sorcerer Supreme, number nine, written by Robbie Thompson, uh, artist Javier Rodriguez. Sir Isaac Newton, Sorcerer Supreme of his day, has mastered an ancient evil magic and has gone power mad. It's up to the Sorcerer Supreme to stop him from sending the world and all their own original timelines into chaos 
Unfortunately, even with the Avengers on their side, it seems like they are still no match for Newton. Awesome. Kylan, why don't you go next? Uh, why don't you go next, and then I'll go after you. <laughs> okay. Because I'm like I have the same thing that Eric had going on. <laughs> um. Well, my first my first pick of the week is I am Groot number two. Uh, trapped on a world that doesn't understand them. Groot is stuck on a strange alien planet, but the first step is finding a way home. Is for someone who can translate I am Groot. This isn't going to be easy. Awesome. Dude, I'm loving both of these. I mean, I'm really excited about a lot of the new stuff that's going on. I mean, the Doctor Strange ones, I love, I've I've enjoyed the new Doctor Strange run tremendously because I think it's getting back into that like crazy, insane era of Doctor Strange. Very psychedelic-y weird, which is great. Um, The group book, I mean, that's going to be awesome. I've heard the new Rocket series. I haven't actually unfortunately had a chance to read the new Rocket one, but I heard it's really good. And uh, But yeah, I mean, that's a really fun premise for for group. I'm going to be all over that. Awesome. Kylan, you're up. Ah, crap. All right. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, I, actually, I know what my first, my, my first pick is. It, it, His first pick is, is... Uh, and it's not, that's my first pick of the week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, you, you uh, totally, like, I'm like, you know what? The name and then came right back in when it was done. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I'm sitting there like it, it was coming up and then all of a sudden it's like, it's not there. <laughs> I don't know. My my computer hates me. This is kind of like the dog ate my homework kind of thing. It it really is. You know what? Let let's go. Let's go with Electra number five. Let's do that. Okay. Hunt or be hunted. The epic climax of always bet on red. Trapped in murder world. Electra is close to ending arcade sick games, but surrounded by trigger happy high rollers who have paid top dollar. And that's all I get. Cause I love that it just gives me the suspense. Oh, here we go. We got more. Uh, to participate in the hunt, will Electra survive long enough to reveal Arcade's treacherous scheme? Uh, the writer is Matt Owens, the artist is Juan Cabal, and the cover artist is Elizabeth Torque. And actually, this was a really good miniseries. This was one, one of the ones I was pulling. I kind of hate to see it end. Um, it was a fun read, you know? And hey, how can you go wrong with Arcade? Yeah. I love right. Arcade as a villain. So, Eric, second picks. Start us off. Okay, my second pick of the week is Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur number 20. Written by Brandon Montclair and artist is Natasha Bustos. Fantastic voyage! Lunella and Devil make landfall in a new cosmos and their host is much bigger than they imagined. Okay. And I chose this purely because of the cover image that has Devil Dinosaur in one of those bubble helmet spacesuits. <laughs> awesome. But how big is that helmet? I'm curious. Uh, we could use it as a hot tub, I'm pretty sure. Okay. You, you know how big the aquarium is at the Living Seas at Epcot? Yeah. Not that big. <laughs> <laughs> It's kind of like like 20 questions. Is it bigger than a bread box? Yes. Yes, it is. Um, Well, my second pick is Star Wars Droids Unplugged, number one. Collecting three stories featuring everyone's favorite droids. What adventures did the probe droids and the Phantom Menace get into when Darth Maul wasn't looking? Luke's got a mission for R2-D2, but but can the astromech complete it in time? And all BB-8 wants is to help. Is is that a collection of the ones that appear like in the end of the uh, Darth Vader, the new Darth Vader book? Uh, yes, I believe all of these have been backstories. Okay, awesome, awesome. Because awesome. I want to say the R2-D2 one appeared 
in um, in Star Wars, maybe Star Wars 20. Okay, okay. I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, and these are written by, written, drawn, and the cover art is all Chris Eliopoulos. Now, you didn't do a variant cover for this one, did you? No, no, unfortunately I did not. Um, I think this would have been a perfect chance to introduce the from the droids cartoon, however. Oh! oh. Yeah. I love how we all do the, the mystic cow sound at the same time. Oh! And see, and my thought was thinking uh, Darth Maul's probe droid. That would be awesome. That would be the easiest cover I've ever done, and that therefore I would totally appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. I just just when you think that the R2 with sensor scope was the cheapest cash grab we could have possibly done, it's like, no, we'll just do a little black sphere and we'll call it done. <laughs> there you go. So <laughs> Kylan, your second pick. My second pick is Black Panther number fifteen. Writer is Tanahisi Coates. Artist is Wilfredo Torres, and the cover artist is Brian Stelfreeze. <sighs> Adventures of the New world continues. The gods of Wakanda have forsaken T'Challa and his nation as monsters of might and myth flood our world and midnight an- and the midnight angels must act. Nice. I gotta toss in real quick something for anyone out there, especially any aspiring artists. If any of you ever get a chance to meet Brian Stelfreeze, he is the godfather of like modern comic book people. Like I think every artist that works in comics right now has a Brian Stelfreeze story. Um, I cannot give that man enough credit and I can't say enough good things about not only his art, but also him as a person. So if you're going to a show and Brian's going to be there, do your best to go meet the man. Boom. Definitely. Cool. Um, so Eric, we're back to you for the number threes. Okay. My third and final pick of the week is a trade paperback. It is Thanos volume one. Thanos returns. Uh, written by Jeff Lemire and art by Mike Diodato. Thanos, probably the most diabolical individual in the Marvel Universe, is back. And he's out for vengeance on all who would oppose him. Unfortunately for the Mad Titan, he's also heading for an unexpected reckoning with his family. Take an ongoing walk on the dark side of the galaxy and follow the deadly trail of destruction left in Thanos' wake. He is pure evil. He is unstoppable. And it's time for someone, anyone, to take him down. Will it be the Shi'ar Imperial Guard? That's the entire Imperial Guard. Time to call in the reinforcements. Meanwhile, Thanos' son Thane is out there making plans. When Thanos murdered all his other offspring, only Thane was spared. But it wasn't out of love. And when the father-son reunion happens, it won't be a happy one. Now, this is collecting Thanos uh, numbers one through six. Okay. Well, my final pick of the week is Star Wars Dr. Aphra number eight. I'm so loving this series. Um, um, and, and I fell in love with this character from, from the Darth Vader Volume 1 series. Uh, the Screaming Citadel Part 5. Jedi? Symbiotes? Rebels? Murderbots? Smugglers? Archaeologists? No, it is not the next Indiana Jones movie. This, <laughs> this one has it all. But can any survive the horrors of the Screaming Citadel? I gotta say... Does- oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was gonna say, man, when I saw some of those designs for some of the Screaming Citadel characters, I was super bummed they did not ask me to do an action figure of some of those, because that queen is amazing looking, and and there are so many cool looking new characters they're introducing into that that I was like yeah. I would have taken a stab at the, the queen would I would love to have seen even even if it was for Screaming Citadel number one the the, the one shot that launched it all yeah so so Kylan your your final pick my final pick as if you would doubt it is Star Wars Poe Dameron number sixteen. <laughs> 
who is Malarus and what does she want? Meanwhile, the resistance is running dangerously low on surpri- supplies. Poe and Black Squadron are on the case. Awesome. Now, Eric, before you get to your Marvel Unlimited pick, I gotta say, I, I fell in love with another cover that John has done that just came out a couple weeks ago, and it's Hulk number seven. Oh. And to me, that very much screams Hulk meets Joker from The Killing Joke. Wow. Uh, Thank you. It it almost has that vibe to it. It, It's one of the first things I thought of is, oh, it's Hulk's killing joke. I don't know if that was your intent. Very killing jokey, but uh, we'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much. Um, No, that was like, that was a lot of fun to to work on Hulk just because um, I'm a huge Jennifer Walters fan. I mean, you guys want to talk about like epic cover runs. Holy crap. Uh, She-Hulk back in the day was just epic the whole like self-referential breaking the fourth wall covers um and uh my, my, i'm sorry i was saying my wife bought my wife has that entire run like she just i think that's what sold her on jennifer walters was that entire series sensational she hulk it's so good like i don't i'm shocked she has not been introduced into the mcu i'm, I'm not sure if there's a legality behind it or what but like she just strikes me as just a perfect character to translate to the big screen um but uh yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if they have the same if, if because of the whole deal with Hulk. If because she's Hulk adjacent, I don't know if it falls in with the, with with the deal re- regarding Hulk too. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I- I'm loving what they're doing right now in the book, man. I think uh, Mariko is just oh, yeah. like that. That is how you pronounce her name, right, Mariko? She's just so. the writing is yeah, the writing is just top notch, man. And it's it's such a, a interesting take on dealing with a character who is who has known control. I think there's a certain and that was really what I wanted to try and capture with that cover was you know she always had the best of both worlds, you know, like she mm-hmm. had this glamorous like everything everything came up roses for her, and she's now dealing with this like tragedy and and I always loved the idea with the Hulk that the Hulk loves being the Hulk, even though regardless of what Banner thinks, the Hulk loves being himself. And uh, I think with Jennifer, that's kind of the same vibe, right? Like, but now she's not able to have that. And it's, it's sad. Yeah. Yeah. So Eric, how about your Marvel unlimited pick? My Marvel unlimited pick uh, actually has my favorite action figure variant cover of them all. (gasps) And that is Figma two number one. One, uh, and that of course written by Jim Zub and cover artist, very cover artist, our guest for this evening. Uh, I'm going to just step out on limb. I, I don't do this often, but normally we just do one book that we recommend during the weekly uh, unlimited pick. But I think in this case, let's just go ahead and do the entire series. Oh yeah, because because as we've said earlier, or you've said earlier in the show, you did a variant cover for all five issues and. They all rock awesomely. Yes. And Disney, if you are listening, we need on this earth, like now, an honest to goodness Dreamfinder action figure. Yes. And I know somebody they could pay royalties to for the sale of each one of them who would really appreciate <laughs> <this>. <laughs> I kid, kind of. I'm just saying, the, the actual action figure, a Figment action figure, Dreamfinder action figure, and the little steampunk blimp airship. Oh, playset, uh, that would be dope. 
There you go. Instead of royalties, would you accept a uh, a main gate pass? Uh, we'll have to see how many units get sold. <laughs> but uh, and, a, and a turkey leg. Well, hey, well, I didn't realize that was part of it. Yeah, if you put some throw some meal plans in there, we're definitely good because I can way <laughs> through house and home with those joints. Holy crap! Oh my god. <laughs> Well, where can people find you on the internet, John? Um, I am on Twitter at John Tyler Chris. Uh, I am on Facebook. Um, there is also an art of John Tyler Christopher um, that now we finally got kind of a hold of that we can help post stuff and things on. Um, but I also have a website, JohnTylerChristopher.com. Um, you know, if you Google me, I'm there. Awesome. Well, we thank you for coming on and definitely would love to have you back in the future. Thank you very much, gentlemen. I really appreciate uh, you putting up with me for this long time. And uh, <laughs> thank you so much for having me on. Oh, it's a blast, man. We appreciate oh, you. Yeah. Coming. Not a problem. Well, on that final note, Jarvis, if you would, please. All wrapped up here, sir. Will there be anything else? Nope. Just time to go dark. You know what we need? We need action figure variants of us. With the above-ground, underwater, suborbital volcano lair in the background. And shotgun axes? Everybody needs a shotgun axe. What, are you crazy? <laughs> and can we get some sharks uh, with freaking laser beams? Yes! And a hell of us. That would be the play set. You know, kind of like the, the Millennium <laughs> oh thing my is, God. we need to find out from John how much it would cost us to get the action figure variant covers done of the three of us with a piece of the Hellabus in each. Island, we may have to hawk the Hellabus to afford this. This is true, too. Oh, my God. <laughs>